morning, I just want to, um, well, I don't want Josiah's anointing to wear off on me too much here, but um, I say this first. Everyone's a blessing. <laughs> you can read into that however you want to from here forward. Uh, everyone is a blessing within the body. Um, but, you know, there's, there's times when I think certain people God brings into a congregation just has a special sweet spirit about them, and they bless almost everyone in every capacity, wherever they go, whatever they say, sometimes without even saying anything. And so, um, as I said, I believe everyone is a blessing, but um, I just wanted to, to thank Shirley and Deborah just for being a huge blessing to this church in ways that, that we don't even comprehend and understand. And, uh, and I know you helped me to be very patriotic this morning, so thank you. We're, we're matching. I don't know. I don't want you to stand up or anything, but uh, we're matching in terms. Say what? You just have the American. I've got the Christian flag, which Ernest referenced um, in his little exhortation as well. So thank you for that. But, um, you know, for, for us as a church, um, you know, we, we want to be men and women who carry each other's mats. I don't know if you remember that sermon a couple years ago that Michael preached, but that there's seasons where we're carrying mats and there's, there's seasons where we're allowing people to carry our own mat because that's what we need. And so we know both of them have some health limitations is how we'll put that. Um, and so we're, we're constantly in prayer. We're constantly encouraging. But more than anything, if you think about it, they're encouraging us. And, you know, second song, and, and, and I'm, because my sermon is based around this so much, um, and I may just hit one point and then come back more next week. That second song, and Elle, I don't know if you can bring that up again, but the one with the kind of the red background talked about going through the furnace, which refers to the three Hebrews in, in Daniel. Going through the fire, I think is what it said. Can we look at those words? Yeah. It, just look at these words, the beauty. You are God, you are the great I am, the breath of life I breathe in you. Even in the fire, I'm alive in you. And those words are so powerful if you think about it. You know, it's more than what we just sing. That even in the fire, there's a promise that God says, I'm alive in you. And, and that's the beauty of, of being a believer is, you know, we don't have to have it all together. We don't always have to like it. We don't always have to put on the happy face. We can be definitely real with God. But the promise is that even the fire, even if he doesn't deliver, even if he doesn't rescue, that God is still God and, and he makes us alive in that. And so that's the beauty of so much that I see in their lives, uh, whether you're know, sitting in the, in the in the hospital when, when you couldn't breathe and, and you were gasping every breath with, I don't know, 30 liters of oxygen. I don't know if you can get that high. It was a lot. Um, or on Wednesday, hearing reports of not always the most positive reports from a doctor. And yet, in that, you say, I'm going to praise the Lord. And just the blessing and, and the example it is to me of, in the midst of my struggle, which is like this, not, it can't even be measured in some ways, can't even be seen under a microscope, that they're still praising God, that they're still rejoicing. And it kicks me in the butt every time I hear it. Thank you so much for kicking me in the butt. But I want you to come and just share for a moment the good news you received on Friday. A lot of you probably already know this, but, but there was good news on Friday, and I just want you to share that. Well, actually, it started before Friday. It started Wednesday night at prayer meeting. I wish y'all would 
come. But um, I asked for prayer, and I was anointed with oil by a very special lady. And Pastor prayed for me, and the rest of the group prayed. They anointed my head with oil, and I could feel it running down. And I had not been able to sing for just like the Lord was trying to take my voice. But I'm going to share today, if it's okay, the song. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Sweet Holy Spirit, sweet heavenly dove, stay right here with us, filling us with your Without a doubt, we know that we have been revived when we shall leave this place. The Lord just gave me my voice back, and I kicked the devil's butt. <laughs> but I've been going through some very severe health issues. And I had been to one particular doctor, and he said, well, I don't like the looks of your MRI, especially on your spine. I see some white spots. So he sent me to my medical oncologist, and I talked to him, and he says, well, I'm going to send you for a bone scan. And I know what white spots are because I've had cancer before. Well, I went Friday to have this test, and I had Andre and Barbara went with me. They're my prayer partners. And um, I got the result. Well, it told me the radiologist to read it, and probably be Monday or Wednesday before I got the results. Well, about three o'clock, about three thirty-five that afternoon, I'd already got the results. My doctor called, and no bone cancer. Praise the Lord. Amen. God is good, definitely. Definitely, definitely so. And I know when, when Michael is back, he'll share this, but I know he got cleared on Thursday, I believe, cancer-free on his nine-month checkup. And so when a doctor visits you for 30 seconds, usually it's a good news, right? <laughs> um, just to say, hey, it looks good and, and, and you're clear. So God is definitely moving in our midst um, and, and I think it's good to celebrate those things where God is moving. Doesn't mean there's not challenge. Doesn't mean there's, there's still not things. And, and really what I want to share this morning, and um, I think I'm going to edit a number of things out so we may come back next week and look at it, is in prayer a couple weeks ago, um, we were praying through a number of different uh, scriptures based on faith 
and, and kind of fighting fear, I guess you could say, is what we were doing, is um, praying over us individually in the group, but also over the church, that, you know, Lord, you're trustworthy. Lord, um, you haven't given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a, and a sound mind. Just, and just praying that over all of us as a body. And Psalm 56, verse 3, was one of those scriptures that came up. And Ella, can you bring that up? It says, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you, or I will trust in you. And, and it kind of hit me, like, yes, Lord, this is, this is so true. But how, how easy is it to read this? Maybe you're not afraid right now. Oh, when I'm afraid, I'll trust in you. That's very easy. And what I heard, the, well, maybe my prayer, what was in my heart is, Lord, teach me to trust you. Teach me to trust in you when it's not easy, when it's difficult, when there's the challenge. Because the tendency is to be like Peter walking on the water and to look at the waves and the wind and everything else and take my eyes off of God. And so I begin to pray this prayer, Lord, teach me to trust you in, in greater ways and, and, you know, in really deeper ways. Of course, there's, there's a lot that we all have in, in ways that we already trust God, but I think it's always how do we trust God deeper and at, and at more um, intimate levels. And so I was praying, Lord, give me five, just give me five ways that I can just write down, I incorporate into my schedule, I can do this every day, that, that I can, you know, begin to walk out. And, and I didn't really hear anything. And I said, well, maybe I'm praying too big or too small or something. I don't know. I said, just give me three. And, there, and I didn't hear anything. And I said, Lord, just give me one. And I still didn't hear anything. And so well, let me say this first before we move forward, is all of this is, there's no question about God being trustworthy in this. Because I don't think we really can question that. I mean, we should be mature enough to where we don't question, is God trustworthy or not? Because we know God, we know his word, we know he's faithful, we know he's true, we know he's all-powerful, we know he's omnipotent, we know these things. So all this is not a question about, God, are you trustworthy or not? It's more, Lord, can I trust you in where you're taking me and where you're leading me and, and what, what you're doing? Because, you know, we live in challenging times. And, and I think as a church, um, we, we're in some challenging situations. And as individuals, we're in challenging situations. You know, there's fear, there's health issues, there's finances, there's trying to figure out calling. We, we live in, in an interesting cultural and, and, and social environment that, to where there's always a challenge that's before us. And, you know, when, when I became a believer, you know, I thought, oh, if I trust in Jesus, then everything's going to be easy. And yet we know that's not the case. Jesus tells his disciples, you will face hardship. You will face persecution. Some of you will even lose your life for my sake. We're to take up the cross every day and, and to follow after Christ, denying, denying ourselves and so forth. And so I continue to say, God, what, what is it? Teach me to trust in you more. How do I trust in you in greater ways? And I really felt like the Lord just directed me to Psalm 23. It's not about trust steps. It's about being in the presence of the Lord. And honestly, Psalm 23 is not a psalm that I really like, um, just because it's equated with funerals most of the time, right? Or bad news. And so if I could just stay away from it, that, you know, I, if I didn't hear it, then it was good because it meant I wasn't at a funeral or I wasn't receiving bad news or, or, some, or having to, to minister to someone who had just received bad news. But also, this is the most popular psalm of all the 150 that are out there. 
Even non-believers know them. It's, it's, you know, there's things from this psalm that's ingrained into our culture, even into TV shows, things that you can hear like, oh, that's from Psalm 23. And so as we read this, and really I just want to focus probably on one verse, maybe one and a half verses, um, four and five, as we read starting in verse one, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I lack. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path for his name's sake. And so as you read Psalm 23, the, the first three verses here, you know, David has stood in the midst of some hardship in his life. He, he, is, he has had strong powerful enemies pursue him. He's had nations pursue him. He has stood before bears and lions. He stood before a giant. He's had an old, a coup in his own kingdom by his own, um, not his brother, but by his own son. He has dealt with a number of things in his own life. He's lost a child. And in the midst of his darkness, he's saying, hey, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is the one that, that makes me lie down, helps me to lie down in green pastures. He's the one that leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path for his name's sake. We go into verse 4. Wait for her to bring it up. It says, Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for he is with me. Is that what it says? says, you are with me. Notice the pronoun shift here. In the first really three verses, now we get to something that's a little more personal. David is starting to say, God, yes, I'm remembering. I think this is what's important about the first three verses. And if we want to put a heading on it, we can say, count your blessings. Because what David is doing is he's, he's recalling the goodness of the Lord in the times of his life when, when God has delivered him, when God has brought him through. And for us, it's a great thing that we take sometimes and we stop and say, Lord, in the midst of the trial I'm in now, you've brought me through this and you brought me through that and you're going to continue to bring me through. We count our blessings. It's good to record these things. When David stood before Goliath or before he stood before Goliath and he's, and he's talking to the Israelites, he's saying, the Lord has, has brought me through when I faced a bear and when I faced a lion and you'll certainly deliver me here. See, David's recollecting that. But now we see a pronoun shift. The way he's getting more personal. God, you are the one that's with me. Your rod, not his rod and his staff, but your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. You know, what a beautiful psalm in, in so many different ways. Again, the first three verses talking about, God, you've done this, you've done this, you've done this. But in the midst of the challenge, it's good to look back. But sometimes in the midst of what I'm facing, I just don't want to look back necessarily. I want some relief and some rest. I want some respite. And I think that's where we're at a lot of times in our Christian life. There's, there's those kind of mountain things that we go over. And as we, we crest one mountain, you know, usually there's a valley or something we're getting ready to walk through. It's not necessarily a pattern like that. But there's not that, hey, we're always going to be at the top of the mountain. We're always going to be uh, beside calm, tranquil waters. The Lord is going to take us through things, allow us to go through things. The world is going to take us through things. 
And what I've heard is, as I, and this is a lot of just a personal testimony this morning, what I've heard in, in my pursuit over the last couple of weeks of, of asking, Lord, help me to trust you more, the answer I got was not necessarily an answer I wanted to receive. It was trust in my presence. Trust in my presence. That's what David is doing here. In the midst of what is going on, he's saying, Lord, I trust in your presence. Verse 4, let's look at verse 4 again. It says, even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Great comforting words. But the point to me is the next four or five words here. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The staff is a weapon. The rod is a weapon that the shepherd had. The staff was the primary weapon of, of keeping the, the prey away, where it was a wolf, a lion, or a bear. And if the, and if the wolf or lion or bear got closer, they need to pull out the rod, the shebet, as it's called in Hebrew. It's a hand-to-hand combat club. It's a baseball bat in some ways. Now, for me, the rod is not something that I always think of as comforting, Especially if you're a parent, you know, maybe the rod is, is something that, that you, you inflict punishment on, not in a bad way, but to train. But to me, the rod and the staff, I mean, Sunday school teaches that the staff is there to kind of pull that, she- that sheep back from time to time. But I always think of it as a weapon as defensive. Now, sheep we know are dumb. They have no claws, they have no fangs, they have no poisonous spit, they, they don't have great supersonic speed to outrun their enemy. They're dumb. And we're equated as sheep many times by God. <laughs> Makes you feel comfortable, right? But yet, I don't see sheep. And, I, and look, I'm not around sheep that much. I am, honestly, I've never been around sheep. But what I've read and what I've studied and what I've seen on YouTube videos or whatever, I don't see sheep just sitting there quivering in fear. I don't see them paralyzed because they can't move because they have so much fear upon them. When in the midst of the shepherd, there's a peace because somehow they know the shepherd's going to protect them. The presence of the Lord. David, how is he in the midst of his fear, in the midst of, of all that's going on around him? Psalm 112, which I didn't give this morning. I can't quite remember it all off the top of my head. It said, when you receive bad news, you're not shaken because you fear the Lord, because you're in the presence of the Lord. And there's other things that are there within it. See, God's teaching us that he has the ability, he has the weapon to change every and all situations. But he doesn't always do that. Now, I sometimes have a problem with that. Anyone else have a problem with that? Lord, if you have the ability and the weapon, then eradicate cancer. Eradicate these social issues. Eradicate the evilness that that we see in the sin. And and I believe one day he will. But yet, I believe the one reason he doesn't, he doesn't want us to trust in his weapons. He wants us to trust in him. And he's also growing us in relationship with him as well. You know, I didn't, um, I didn't necessarily plan for my parents to be here this morning, but I'm going to talk about my dad. And this was, this was proposed even before he came into town in some ways. I'm going to tell some stories about him because he was telling stories, I think, to, uh, to Tony and Diana last week when they were in the mountains and stopped by to visit them. And, you know, in the mountains, there's a lot of snow in the wintertime, right? A day like today, you get in a car with someone you don't think about the roads being slick because they're not because, you know, they, they just aren't. But in the wintertime when it snows and there's ice and there's snow on the road, there, there can be some fear at times like, okay, can we make it? Can we not make it? Do we have four-wheel drive? Do we have chains? Do we have this? Do we have that or whatever? And usually there was only one person as a kid that I wanted to be in the car with, and that was my dad. 
Sorry, Mom. It was my dad. <clears throat> because he could take a back-wheel drive car and scale a mountain with it. You know, usually front-wheel drive is what you want to have in the snow or four-wheel drive. But I saw him drive cars like tanks off-road, back-wheel drive cars, and we would get there, and we would be in one piece. There was just this comfort of being in the presence of him. Other people in the family or friends, I get in their car. I wouldn't even get in their car because I wasn't comfortable being in the present. Didn't mean that when I was in the car with him, I wasn't praying like I never prayed before. Doesn't mean he didn't have the tools that if we did go off the road, we could get the tractor or the chains or, or something and, and get out of the ditch. He definitely had the tools, but there was just something about being in the presence of my father when the roads were slick. And that's really, I think, the, the analogy that, that this psalm is talking about. That in the presence of God, God has every tool, He has every ability to do whatever. But in the midst of the battle that He's wanting us to fight in or, or, or go with, that He says, my presence will comfort you. My presence will give you respite. Look at verse 5 here. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It means He doesn't get rid of those enemies, but yet He prepares a table. David went to Engedi at one point when he was being chased by Saul. Engedi, if you've studied a little bit um, of, of ge uh, geography, it's an oasis in the Judean desert. There's nothing around. There's cliffs on one or two sides. It's just a dry, barren desert, and you come to Engedi, and it's an oasis. And I believe the scripture talks about David and his men as a, as a um, had spoils from war. They went to Engedi and they began to eat and feast and, and be refreshed, but yet Saul's still coming after them. So in the midst of, of this, just being in the presence, they said, hey, we're going we're gonna to rest. There's respite here in Engedi. And I believe, again, that, that equates to what God wants within us or for us, is in the midst of the battle, the challenge, the trial, the temptation, whatever we're facing, whether it's cancer or, or something financial or relationship or something else, that God says, in my presence, there is rest. There's respite. And we are to enter into that presence. How many times do we just go throughout the day and we don't even really think about entering into God's presence or into God's just presence, just to stop and say in the midst of the stress or the moment or, or the hardship or the mountain just getting bigger and bigger. A lot of times we say, oh, I got to do this, or we just stop and we have a pity party or, or whatever. And, and I just want to encourage you, because I, when I look at Shirley and Debbie, and I look at so many people in this church who are going through things, who are facing challenges, you are entering into the presence of God, but I want you to enter into more. I read this book, and I would recommend it, it, calling Practicing the Presence of God, Brother Lawrence. This is a guy who peeled potatoes in the bottom of a kitchen, I think at a monastery, and he practiced the presence of God. Just as he peeled potatoes, doing this mundane thing of just communing with God as he peeled potatoes. I had a hard time with the book because I'm like, if I'm peeling potatoes, I'm not communing with God. I'm having a conversation with God, and I'm telling him he needs to get me out of this kitchen or out of this place. And maybe that's the way that we come to God many times. And he says, look, I just want you to come into my presence. I know about what's going on here. I know what's going on there. Just come and rest. I want to encourage you just with this, that, that we acknowledge him, that we fellowship with him. But Psalm 100, 
talks about how we are to come into the presence of the Lord. We're to come and enter his gates with thanksgiving. Verse 4 of Psalm 100 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to his name and praise to his name. For Verse 5, For Yahweh is good and his love is eternal. His faithfulness endures through all generations. So my encouragement this morning is just be in the presence of the Lord. We don't always have to say, Lord, teach me to trust you more. Yeah, we can pray those prayers. But I believe what he's going to say is, come into my presence. And as you're in my presence, you're going to trust me more and more. You know, how did I get to trust my dad in terms of driving in the snow? It was that first time that we made it when I didn't think we would make it. It was that second time that we made it. And I didn't think we would make it. He came one time after we bought our house and we were trying to put a water cut off under the house. We cut the pipe and we we're soldering it back and we couldn't ever get it to, to, to take fully because there was moisture. And I just looked at him and said, oh, what are we going to do? And he said, we'll get it done. It took us a little while, but we got it done. Now to say, go into the house, cut out whatever you want to cut out, do whatever you want to do. It's just being in the presence, tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Tasting and knowing God's character. So whatever it is that you, you're facing, whatever challenge that you face, or even as a church that we face, we know that God is good. We know that God is with us. And he wants us to continue to press into his presence. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and joy. Enter his gates today, even as we leave and we go out the gate in essence and you enter into the gate of the world, enter with thanksgiving and joy. When you go to work tomorrow, enter with thanksgiving and joy. When, when you go back on Wednesday, whenever you do whatever you do, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name forever and ever. So Lord, teach us to live in your presence in greater ways. Lord, I thank you that you have taught us and you've brought us so far. But Lord, may your grace continue to take us forward. May we continue, Lord, just to camp in your presence. Lord, can you help us go deeper in our relationships with you. Help us to have praise upon our hearts to acknowledge that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Help us to understand that you have every weapon before you. You have every ability to vanquish all foes and all enemies around us. But even if you don't, Lord, and even when you don't, we can continue to choose to trust you. Help us to camp upon the mountain. Help us just to sit in the tent day after day. Help us to trust you just by being in your presence, just seeing your character, Lord. Lord, if there's areas in our own lives where, where we're not sure if we can trust you, whether it's finances or health or, or something else, Lord, just let us begin to see the goodness. Just as David said, I believe that I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Lord, we hold to that, that we are going to see your goodness in all areas here in the land of the living. Lord, I pray a blessing over each person. Thank you for this holiday weekend. Thank you for the holiday that's coming up, Lord. I pray for safe travels. I pray for those who are already traveling, Lord. Bring those back who are coming back into town, Lord. Keep people safe as they shoot fireworks, as they go and, and out and about, Lord. May your presence rest on each and every one of us. May we be reminded of that wherever we go. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, amen.